Welcome to the Community Podcast, brought to you by the Community Paper. Since 1989, the Community Paper has been sharing good news happening in downtown Orlando and College Park. Your hosts for the show are Orlando native and the paper's publisher, Debbie Gunter, and Orlando transplant and managing editor, Tommy Cardinal. Well, welcome back to the Community Podcast. This is Nick Chergudio. I serve as the producer of the Community Podcast and also for the Community Paper. I cover College Park. Yes, you do. Yes, thank you. And I'm here with Tommy Cardinal, the uh, managing editor. Managing editor. Why do I always say that like a question every time? I don't know. You've said it a hundred times. I know, like 150 times now. It's confusing. we got a managing editor. We got an editor in chief who's also a publisher, so I get it. It's yeah. A lot there's of a lot of years. there's a lot of titles and like seven people. Yeah, yeah. A lot of. <laughs> I need a second title. I want a second title. You've got a second title. We'll get you one. Okay. We'll get you one. Well, uh, master interviewer. We Ooh. can give you that title. I take that as a major compliment. Thank you. Good. And I got to listen to your interview with Judith Smelzer the new general manager at WMFE. Yeah, she's the new president and general manager. Yep. So she'd been serving in that role, uh, I think, since last September or something, but she officially became the permanent president and general manager, uh, I think, this February. So I thought uh, people might want to get to know her. And uh, she was nice enough to let me come to the WMFE studio. And um, I thought, kill two birds with one stone, and might as well, if I'm sitting in a radio studio, might as well record it. So... Nick, you let me borrow your fancy equipment, yep. and I guess I set it up right. The print version of the interview is out now in the April edition of the Community Paper. You can pick that up in a number of local businesses. You can find it at yourcommunitypaper.com. And uh, in this episode, what you'll hear is some content that wasn't included in the print version. So you learn a little bit more about Judith, learn a lot about you, so, a little which bit. is nice. A little bit, yeah. I mean, it was a long interview, so we, we thought we might as well put some of the cut questions or not cut, but like it was an hour long talk. So yeah. obviously couldn't fit that in the paper. So this is a little bonus as a podcast episode. Perfect. And we'll hear that. If you like this podcast, please recommend it to your friends and family and enemies. Recommend and, it to your enemies. Yeah, Reach out. Not? Reach across the aisle and yeah. get them to subscribe. Yes, maybe maybe there's somebody from your childhood that you never made up with, and yeah. you, this is a good way to it's, do it. It's a great way to reach out to people because it's such good content. You've had many roles in radio. You, you've been copy editor, you've been a station manager, a reporter, a consultant, and a host. Am I missing anything? Well, I wouldn't say copy editor. That's more of a print well, thing. I, but. I saw that you well, well, you won an award for copy editing. You won a people. Ah, oh, yes, that. Wow, you you did do your homework. <laughs> um, yeah, that was for. Um, it was interesting that that she called that copy editing, but um, yeah, that was for a documentary that my friend and longtime colleague um, Amy Tardiff did. She used to be the news director and station manager at WGCU, the public station down in Fort Myers. Okay. Um, and she did um, a really, really amazing um, documentary. And she asked me to, to edit the script for that. So yeah, she called it copy editing. It's funny. I think about that as a print term. But, oh, um, yeah. but yeah, so that that's right. And she, I mean, most uh, most all of the credit for that goes to her, but I was really honored to be a part of it. So yeah. Well, mm-hmm. so I mean, I guess my point is that you have been in. I've done a lot of things. Yes, you, well, you've, <laughs> well, you've been in almost every single 
part of radio news, right? Or, or I think that's most fair. Of it. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, the the hosting. I've never been officially a host, but I've done mm-hmm. a lot of fill in hosting um, on on WMFE. So yeah, I think I think that's fair. I'm wondering if uh, you being in so many roles and seeing all the different ways that it happens, that how does that change the way you take in news, whether it's mm-hmm. on the radio or whether it's reading articles or like do you are you hypercritical do you like what what is it like <laughs> yeah that's a really great question um i i i do admit that i probably consume especially radio news crit- very critically um i i mean i have to a lot of when i was consulting a lot of what i would do would be assessments and content evaluations so i would always be listening for what's good what could be better Sorts sorts of things. So certainly. So even when you're listening yeah. to like just news to to follow the news mm-hmm. when, when you're not working, it's it's like oh they should have they should have fixed that they level. They should have or... had a strong yeah <laughs> sure they should have fixed the level. They should have had a stronger lead. They buried the lead. That you know that kind of thing. Um, yeah, absolutely. I does mean... that does that impact the like how you stay up to date? Like no, I mean I I I think I'm able to walk and chew gum at the same time. I I, I think I'm able to 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 ha- let that the actual information and content uh, seep into my brain at the same time as, as I'm, I think the other, the other is probably a little bit more subconscious and it rises to the, the to the top. If I hear something really annoying, <laughs> that makes me want to yell at the radio. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, but you know, what's interesting is when you ask about uh, consuming other types of media, um, you know, when I read, like when I read the community paper, I think about, wow, I always think about how, how, I'm always thinking about how we could learn from what other news organizations are doing, mm-hmm. you know? So I read I read your notes on city council and I think, gosh, that, that's really great. We can't be that hyper-local because we're covering nine counties, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but, but my mind immediately goes to collaboration, you know? Is there, so when I read, when I read a, 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 another regional news outlet the first thing i think of is oh could we work with them you know that's that's because my 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 mind goes to collaboration really quickly i did a lot of work with public media collaboratives as a consultant so that that's i think i guess that's the other way it changes me especially now that i'm in the role that i'm in now Mm -hmm. um you know, I'm not running the newsroom. I have a news director um, who is fantastic, Latoya Dennis. Um, she started not that long before I did, and she is she's just already doing great things and is going to do even more. Um, so my role here now is is sort of a, a on, on a higher level, thirty thousand foot sort of view, mm-hmm. um, thinking about things like partnerships and such. So. I'm always I'm always looking for those types of you're, potential opportunities. You're sort of looking at like you're reading the news, but you're also like business, like like yes. how do these newspapers or yes. how do they operate? Yes, and like, that's funny. That, how do they operate, and and what could we learn from them? You know, um, always looking at how could we do things better to serve the community and serve our audience. That's mm-hmm. that's the whole point. Yeah, I definitely don't think that the Orlando uh, media is crowded or anything. There's definitely room for absolutely a lot of more newspapers and uh, radio stations. Um, you know, it's funny. I I messaged Nick before the interview. I like to ask some of my writers, like, is there anything that you would ask or whatever? And, yeah. and he said, he said, when is the community podcast going to make it on WMFE? 
<laughs> well, I honestly, this is I hope I hope that this doesn't put me in a bad light, but I didn't realize you guys had a podcast. And so now that I've listened to it, I think it sounds great. So, you know, I don't know is the answer yeah. for, for Nick, but um, but I think you guys are doing a great job. I do. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's one of our newest things that we've done. So, yeah, this seemed like you weren't too far into it. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but you said, well, just like watching said, me set up, you're, you, you know that. <laughs> no, you did, you did great. I mean, it always takes some time and fiddling to set up uh, recording equipment. Well, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about you were, was this before you were reported for WMFE? You were with Edible Orlando? Ah, uh, okay. No. So I. Did, I, I've never worked directly for Edible Orlando. Okay. Um, I, I used to do a monthly column for them. Uh, sorry, I guess quarterly. They come out quarterly. Mm-hmm. I did a quarterly column for them about the local wine scene. Um, I had a passion project. Um, I wrote a wine blog, and I also had a podcast myself. Uh, about Actually, the, the podcast was started right at the beginning of the pandemic, and I followed three um, local people in the wine industry through the, the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it actually ended up being about a whole lot more than wine. Um, it was a very sometimes gut-wrenching um, set of stories about, mm. you know, people, local business people and professionals trying to make it through the worst of the pandemic in the industry that was the hardest hit. Mm. Um, but point being, the the edible column that I did was um, was was part of my my wine writing uh passion project essentially so, so it was a I lot mean, of fun i guess you like wine i do yes <laughs> i do yeah what's the uh i mean what's the best wine you've ever had oh my gosh wow i didn't prepare for this question uh <laughs> well good those are the best <laughs> those are the, those best, are the best, ones. best answers i know yeah. <laughs> i know the best wine i've ever had Oh, boy. That's probably the hardest question anyone could ever ask me because it's almost like asking somebody what their favorite child is, you know, Mm. because I think it's easier to answer what wines I don't like than what wines I do Mm. um, because there's so many great wines. What what about a a glass of wine that you had that maybe the experience was like perfect? It's the experience. That's what that's what I was Mm. trying to kind of come to. you know, it's it's all about the experience. So a wine might not be the best wine in the world, but if you if you had it at the winery overlooking the vineyards, then that's that's a completely different experience than drinking it, you know, mm-hmm. at, at, at your kitchen counter with friends, which is they're also um, really fulfilling. So um, I'm not trying to dodge this question. It's just there's so many <laughs> things that flood into my mind when you ask me this question. I mean, a beautiful grower champagne is is wonderful uh when i got this job i went over to dig what well, the official announcement was made i went over to digress in college park um the owner of digress is one of the people i followed in the podcast um went over there and and drank some beautiful champagne with friends over there um what was it it was uh what was it i can't remember right now but it was a lovely grower champagne but at the same time you know, an, uh, some unpretentious wine that you drink on a Tuesday night with your best friend can also be the most wonderful wine in the world mm. because of the experience. I mean, wine is about experience. It's about the people who grew the grapes. It's about the people who had made made the wine. It's about the people you drink it with. You know, I mean, it's 
it's about the story. It's it, funny. It all comes back to the story. It's more complicated than what's the best wine you have. Yeah, it really <laughs> is. Had. I mean, I've had I have had many wines that have been wonderful for a lot of different reasons. Um, you know, I, I've I've been in Germany drinking wine with winemakers over there. Um, that's been really fascinating. But I also have family in Missouri. Now, you may not know this, but Missouri is one of the earliest wine growing regions in this country. Mm. Um, Prohibition knocked it out and kind of knocked it down for a while, but it's coming back up. So I have family in Missouri. And, you know, that is not the best wine in the world. It's not. But going in, going to, to talk with these people who are trying to resurrect a, a, a an industry that started in the 1800s, I mean... I, I, I remember going and tasting wine with this guy who's probably 95 years old. He was a German immigrant. He'd moved to the area sometime like in the 50s. And he decided he was going to start a vineyard because he made wine at home in Germany, you know. And wow. now he has a vineyard in in this little rural area in, in Missouri. And he has wonderful stories to tell. It wow. wasn't the best wine I've ever had. Absolutely not. <laughs> but the experience, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so wine is a passion of yours. Um, it is. is I, I read that writing was one of your first passions, um, or, or that writing sort of was a, was a hobby of yours early on. Um, well, I'm trying to think about where you would have read that and I, what So there was a question and answer, um, there was a question and answer interview on the Colorado Public Radio page. Hmm. Uh, I guess it was the one that introduced you as the news. Uh huh. Managing editor. Okay. The managing editor. Um, so okay, maybe I was. No, I well, mean I, you're right. I've always loved to write. Um, I don't know that I would call it a hobby exactly. Hmm. Um, I was gonna yeah, because I was gonna ask. Do do you do? I, I mean. I guess you journaled it when you were younger. I did. And... That's true. That's true. I, I did. Maybe that's where that came from. I don't remember that. <laughs> I don't remember that Q and A. But um, yeah, I did. I did a lot of journaling all the whole time I was growing up. Well, was is writing a? I mean, that's not a hobby of yours at all. That you you sort of only have done it for work, or do you have side? Well, you have your side project with the blog. And... Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I I mean, I do love to write. I think I now that I write so much for work, I don't know that I would call it a hobby. And I probably haven't written a journal entry in years. Um, It used to be sort of how I processed everything that happened in my Mm -hmm. life. Um, You know, I think it's 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 always the way. Right. When you uh, when you make the thing that you love, you're into your your job. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're probably less likely to do it on your free time. Um, So I I suppose I wouldn't call it a hobby anymore. Mm -hmm. But um, but it's still something. I think what I would say about that is I have a deep affinity for the craft of writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love to write something that is that 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 feels beautiful. Um, and and I would also say that one interesting thing about broadcast is that writing for broadcast is a different thing than writing for print or writing for a, a, a longer form. Um, type of format or a Mm -hmm. blog or something like that. You Mm -hmm. know, they're all different types of writing. Um, You know, writing for broadcast, you write much shorter, much shorter sentences. You write like you talk. Mm -hmm. And so that's a craft and an art form in itself that when I got into radio and and broadcasting, I I had to learn. Well, what are some of your hobbies? Apart from food and wine? Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Yeah, I mean, I I will say, I think um, I think one of the neat things about central florida that people don't realize is people from outside don't realize is is what a wonderful food food and beverage scene we do have here um it's not all just 
chain restaurants like I think a lot of people think think we are. And mm. I think now that's starting to get not just starting over the past several years. That's that's really started started to get recognized. Um, you know, you've got the Michelin Guide coming here this year. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's exciting. Uh, so I do. I love to explore um, restaurants and 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 such around the area. Um my husband and I love to do day trips. So on the weekends, we will go out to Flagler Beach or Brevard. We have our favorite little spots that we go to out in Brevard mm-hmm. or, um, you know, Mount Dora. We love to we love to explore the region. That's really one of our favorite things to do. And it's one of the one, most wonderful things about Central Florida is that there's so much within an hour of wherever you live that that's that's fun and and, and different and relaxing and and it's it's it's, an, it's such an easy shot from where wherever you might happen to be mm-hmm. to to some something different and fun and and cool. So, yeah, especially yeah. Um, Central Florida in in particular. Right. Yeah. right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what part of town do you live in now? I live uh, in the like Davis Greenwood neighborhood. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. So right there, South Town Town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's 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 a. I've actually lived in that same neighborhood um, since I. Since I first moved here in 2004, I rented a little place mm-hmm. behind the 903 Mills Market yeah. there uh, on Mills and Gore mm-hmm. and have lived in a couple other places, but really never more than a few blocks from there. So I love that neighborhood. Yeah, well, I mean, it's very historic and beautiful. Um, it is. Yeah, I love the lakes around there. I go running around the lakes in the mornings mm-hmm. and, I, you know, it's, it's I keep track of the swans and their families. And it's, really, <laughs> it's really great. So. Do you do you have a... Uh... I mean, you love the food and beverage scene. Do you have a go-to place in your neighborhood? Um, I really like Eola General right now. Mm. Um, that's, I mean, it's not obviously it's not fancy or anything, but I, I love, um, I love what they've done with that space. Um, I love that it's it's such a nice place to just kick back with a snack and a bottle of wine. I mean, they have some, they they do some really creative things. I know the the gentleman who does their wine program and. He's very um, he's very passionate about natural wine, so he mm. brings only brings in natural wine. So that you'll always find something new and different there, and it's just such an easy place to to sit and enjoy the beautiful weather that we've been having lately. Yeah, and it's got a, a great uh, I wouldn't call it a front porch, but that that outside area, patio. Where, and yeah, it's right yeah. there in the middle of the Eola Heights neighborhood. And that's and, it. That's yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Just soak it in. I love that place. I love Maxine's. Um, Maxine's on Shine is great. Um, yeah, there, I mean, there's lots of places in the area that I that I enjoy and, and can walk to, which is a treat. So, yeah. yeah. Where did where did you grow up? You, was I grew it up Washington? In, no, what? no, I grew up in South Georgia, actually. Oh, yeah, okay. I, I grew up in Vidalia, Georgia, which is where the onions come from. If you've oh. ever heard of Vidalia onions, so uh, yeah, I, that that's where I grew up. Fairly small town in South Georgia, about a hundred miles from Savannah. So I actually used to. I grew up coming to to Disney every year as as a kid. So. That was my, as many people, initial experience with Orlando. But yeah. When did you move from Vidalia? So I, I left uh, after high school. I went to college in Memphis, Tennessee. I went mm-hmm. to Rhodes College, and which is kind of like Rollins, it's a liberal arts school. Okay. Um, and then I moved to D.C. after college. I was an international relations major, so I moved to D.C., which was the natural place to go. I lived there for about five years. That's where I got into journalism was in D.C. I never thought I was going to do that. Didn't study journalism. Didn't go to J school. Sorry, Rick Brunson. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, everything I learned, I learned on the job. Wow. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, I got into journalism. Um, I was delivering pizza 
and I had exhausted my expansive CD collection. So I turned to the radio for the first time in probably like five years or something. Um, And I started falling in love with WMFE, believe it or not. And this was in the middle of me totally bombing calculus and (laughs) uh, calculus and physics for engineers. I went to, I I came to Florida or or I came to Orlando to uh, do aerospace engineering. So I went to UCF and I was just bombing. I could not do it. (laughs) I I don't know what I was thinking going to that major, but hey, it brought me to Orlando. But yeah, but um, yeah, late nights listening to. uh, I mean, marketplace and yeah. WMFE, NPR, and all that, and that sort of got. Well, it was it was during the Trump election in 2016, okay. and uh-huh. you can't say that the news was boring then. So <laughs> it, it hasn't really been boring me. since. Yeah. I mean, really. So yeah, and it really it really hooked me, and so that's... so that's sort of like changed. Like I needed to have some inspiration <laughs> to yeah. change careers because engineering wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I credit WMFE a lot to it. Uh, to my career switch. Wow. Well, that is so <laughs> great to hear. I love that story. Maybe we need to get you to record a testimonial while you're here. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's that's a fantastic story. I mean, it it's, it's actually not that dissimilar f- from what happened to me. Um, I intended to go into the Foreign Service or the government somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was actually working. I had a fellowship at the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace in, in D.C., a think tank mm-hmm. there. And and what I found was, and there were people there that had worked in every aspect of government and everything, and none of what they did sounded like what I really wanted to do. And at that at that time in my life, I didn't have a television, and so I was listening to public radio all the time. That's mm. what I had on in my apartment constantly. And I started thinking, you know, maybe this is something that where I could use some of the the interest and in, and the education that I have about international affairs and politics and su- mm-hmm. such, but mm-hmm. still, you know, um, but 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 still, sort of be in a little bit of a f- more fast paced environment. And um, yeah, I looked for a place to intern. And the rest was history. Wow. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I would definitely say that radio news is fast paced, much more fast paced than a think tank. Uh, yes, yeah. very, very, very much so. Very much so. I think, you know, what we try to do in public radio, as you know, is um, is slow it down a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, and we try to do a little bit more than, well, we try to do a lot more than the headlines. Mm-hmm. Um, our value add is context and depth and nuance. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about it. That's what that's what we're all here for. I mean, every time we talk in, with staff about mission and purpose, it's it's really comes back to that. It comes back to all perspectives, not just the headlines, not the sensationalism, but really getting into the heart of the issue and spent and having the luxury to spend some time. Mm-hmm. You know, our our stories generally are four minutes long and that's an eternity in radio you know generally (laughs) you know so we it doesn't sound like it but it is no but it is that's right i mean a four minute story when you think about it it's a long time on the air um i'm wondering was news your path to radio or was it radio that led you to news uh i suppose hmm that's an interesting question um I suppose it was a bit. I guess I. I guess I would say it was news that 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 drove it. But mm-hmm. but I mean, but so was, you didn't have a TV, so you were listening I was to the listening radio. To, I was listening to WAMU in Washington D.C. That's mm-hmm. their local NPR affiliate. Um, that's where One A comes from. If you ever listen to One A, oh, I was listening to it on the way here. Mm, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> so um, yeah. So 
so I think what I what I really loved about it was for me, the opportunity to, I had, I, I was a theater kid in school. I, I had that kind of performance background. My parents are musicians and all of that. Mm. Um, and so there's always a part of me that enjoys the, the sort of performance aspect of it as well. Um, but it's the love of the, of, of the, the news, the journalism, the explaining what's going on in the world to people making it accessible to people. I mean, that's our whole mission essentially is to help people in Central Florida be be able to be fully fully informed and to participate fully in the life of this region mm-hmm. through providing independent, trustworthy journalism. I mean, that's the whole point. That's what we do. Um, that's really our public service mission. And that's what I'm really passionate about. I mean, I think it's obviously so important to have information that you can trust, um, especially now, um, in order to be able to be a, 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 an informed member of society. Mm-hmm. And the n- number of sources for trustworthy information are dwindling. And e- even as the number of sources for information are exploding, right? Mm. Um, but 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 what a lot of our our members, people who donate, um, to us say is that they value that they don't have to fact check us because they know that we are fact checking ourselves. We we have a rigorous editorial process. NPR has a rigorous editorial process. Um, you know, this this is a place where our promise to the audience is you can come here and trust what you hear. Mm-hmm. And and that's to me that 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 is that is what it's all about. It really is. I want to go back to when you were a reporter for many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a a story that sort of stuck with you or sticks with you today? Yes, absolutely. Um, I did a lot of coverage, um, and when would this have been? Around two thousand six ish, maybe so five, six, seven that range mm-hmm. um, about homelessness, and it started when. Um, there was some debate at the city level um, over an ordinance about restrictions on distributing food to the homeless in public parks. Hmm. So there was a there's a big controversy about this, there, and, and and there were limitations placed on the number of people that you could serve food to in a public park, and what kind of permits you needed to get, and things like that. So I was covering that. It started with that. But then it led, you know, I followed the trail and it led to some really interesting stories about the issue of homelessness in general. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the most interesting stories that it led to was I had gotten wind of a, a series of focus groups that some researchers at UCF were doing, focus groups with homeless folks who lived in camps around this area, actually, around East Orlando. Um, in in the woods, um, basically bringing them in to ask them what they need. And this was kind of a revolutionary concept at the time of actually, you know, because you get a lot of situations where people are sitting in a room trying to divine what folks need without actually asking them. Mm. And so I went out um, with the Healthcare Center for the Homeless. You know, they have these teams that go out into these camps and deliver um, medical supplies, 
take them to doctor's appointments, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went out with one of these outreach teams to the to the camps and 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 got to interview some of the folks in the camps, which was um, which was quite something because of course a, a lot of folks. Uh, for obvious reasons, don't don't trust people they don't know. And I think mm-hmm. the fact that I was with the folks from the healthcare center from, for the homeless was helpful. But being out there and seeing and talking to those folks was really it was it was emotional, um, but also very instructive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you know that's what a lot of people ta- who who heard my reporting, not just on that, but on various issues around that that the homeless question that I was following was that so many stories about homelessness didn't include voices of homeless people mm. and that they appreciated that that I did that. And to me, I mean, I think, again, that defines what we want to do. That defines what we want to do. We want to bring the voices of people affected by the decisions being made by folks in power. We want to mm. bring those out to the to the to the spotlight as well as the voices of the decision makers. Well, what was it about that story that that sticks with you so much? I think seeing how people really live and the fact that that they they are in places that are right next to us, right next to us where we're sitting right here, mm-hmm. you know, um, right next to subdivisions in some cases. You would never know. I remember um, the woman who was driving me around with, with the outreach team um, she would just be driving down a road and she'd just point to a patch of trees and she'd see something and she's, she'd say, oh, I'm sure there's a camp back there. Mm. Just places that you would drive by on East Colonial Drive, not even think anything about it. It wouldn't mm. even have to be a very big patch of, of, of undeveloped land. But she could look at that and see, yeah, I'm sure there's a camp back there. Mm. Um, I just, just seen a blue tarp or something. Yeah, like, just, yeah. A, just something, some little glimpse, something that yeah. would, because she would, that's what she did. She always, you know, she, she did this every every day or, you know, every week. And so she was so used to seeing it. But I think it was just very eye-opening that this sort of second world, a whole other world was going on without most people ever knowing about it. Mm. And I think, you know, what what I found gratifying about that was being able to give people a little bit of a glimpse into into that world. Well, I'm going to have to listen to that story. That sounds It's it's I don't even know if you can still find it on our website. It was so long ago, <laughs> you but know what the um, headline was or? I I don't. I'll see if I can find it or I I probably have it. I have probably have the actual audio saved oh, okay. somewhere. So yeah, it was it was really interesting, and and what was interesting about that was it was a two part story. I went out and did the the ride along and and met the folks in the camps, and then I sat in on a focus group uh, where they had brought people in to ask them questions about what they needed, and you know it it was kind of it, it was, the 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 point was to design drop in centers and things like that. Um, so they really wanted to be able to try to respond to what people actually really needed Mm. um so you know now there's the samaritans resource center is just up the road that didn't used to be there but that is a drop-in center um that has they there i I visited there um just a couple months ago and they have laundry facilities and showers and you can even get your mail delivered there because of course that's one of the big challenges that people face if they don't have a permanent address and they want to do pretty much anything in life they can't do it without a a, some place to send mail to some address to Mm. give so they they offer that service it sounds like that that's a cause you're passionate about homelessness in central florida i think housing and homelessness is it's one of the most important 
issues that we face these days. I know it's something that you all cover mm-hmm. a lot. I mean, especially right now, given what's going on. Well, what are some other causes you're passionate about? Well, you know, um, I don't like to talk about causes so much because, um, I mean, even though I'm not technically in a journalism role, mm-hmm. I think, you know, trying to remain reasonably dispassionate is mm-hmm. is is important. So, you know, and, and I know that the issue of, of objectivity has been under hot debate um, of late, but um, but I, I still think it's something that I wouldn't even still, I wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable saying I support this or that cause. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's it's I'm in a different role now, and and that's that may change over time. But it's 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 difficult to get in out out of that headspace, mm-hmm. um, you know. But I think as far as issues that are important, you know, I think they mirror a lot of the issues that we cover here um, on a, on a regular basis. Um, you know, we have Amy Green who covers the environment, and that's a mm-hmm. huge a huge issue. Um, you know, she's written two books about the Everglades, and she's really a, become quite a subject matter expert on that. Wow. And so she and she has actually has a limited edition pot a uh, limited. Um, limited edition, that's not the word, um, limited series podcast about the Everglades and the history of some of the restoration efforts. You know, that's really important. Um, mm. Healthcare is, of course, given what's been going on the past couple of years, incredibly important. And I think, you know, the pandemic has, has uncovered a lot of inequities that really we didn't realize were going on. We should have. We should have been aware, but we didn't. And I think that's something that is worth certainly reporting on. Um, education is something that um, we are starting to look at in a more targeted way. Um, and and another interesting thing that actually we've just started, you know, we have a, a station, a signal up in the, the villages in the Ocala area, WMFV. Okay. Um, and we have a reporter in, in Ocala and the villages area, Joe Burns, and he is has just started a new focus on issues relating to aging, mm. which obviously makes sense from from where he is, but also it has resonance across the entire region, state, country, world, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think, you know, being someone who has a, 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 mom, a mom who is in memory care, um, you know, I think no matter how old you are, issues relating to aging touch you in some way. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see what he does with that beat. Um, I, I think these are all issues that we all need to be paying more attention to. Yeah. Yeah. So. Is there anything that you would like the community to know about you? I'm I'm here because I am so passionate about, about WMFE, about the staff. I cannot say enough great things about this staff. Um, you know, we we have a small team right now, and, and I hope that we grow, and that's my goal. But everybody is in it for the right reasons. Um, it is an inspiration to work with these people. It really is. Um, and I'm in it for the for the community, really. Like I said, I mean, I'm, I'm a journalist at heart. Um, you know, obviously, I'm on the other side of the firewall now, so mm-hmm. I have to be outside of the day-to-day editorial decision-making. But I believe so strongly in what we do. Um, and obviously, I would be remiss not to thank all of our supporters and our our corporate sponsors and our individual donors. We could not, literally, we would not be sitting here were it not for the people who who give and who support what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that's the lifeblood of of public media is is public support. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. 
what what is your uh, one more question what, what is your uh role look like what, what exactly are your responsibilities it's a is it the first time you've been in this kind of role and it um, is yeah so what are you doing now and what do i mean everything now <laughs> <laughs> um yeah well my i mean i'm i'm essentially the chief executive of the organization so mm-hmm. my my job is financial security of the organization um strategic vision for the organization. So we're going to be going into a strategic planning process here before too long. Um, really uh, op- operational duties as well. So I, I'm i in charge of overseeing the staff. Um, so, but but essentially the, the main, the main duties as I see them are, like I said, financial security and, you know, development, that sort of thing. Um, strategy and really providing and, and working with staff and our board and our community advisory board and the community to really come up with a vision and a plan for what we want to be for this community. And what I've said to the board and to the staff is that I want us to be the best place to work in Central Florida, one of the most respected journalism organizations in Central Florida, and an integral part of this community. I mean, I want people to think about Central Florida and WMFE in the same breath. Mm. Um, you know, I, I I want this to be something people miss when they leave. I mean, I, I absolutely think that that's where that's where we we need to be. Mm-hmm. WMFE was something you missed when you left. It was absolutely. You know, I remember sitting here, sitting not sitting here, sitting at my desk in Colorado. Overlooking the mountains, by the way, it was a great view. Mm-hmm. I, it was hard to give up that view, um, and and I believe it was Talk of the Nation, back when Talk of the Nation was on the air, um, had come down here to do a show about the space industry, um, and every single one of my former staff was on the air in some way on that national show. And I sat there at my desk in Denver and I listened to that whole show and it was all I could do to keep from crying because I was so proud of them. I had just left. It was probably just a few few months after I'd left. Mm-hmm. And I heard them all and they did such a great job and they were so fluent and so knowledgeable about what they talked about. You know, We had just, pretty much the last thing I did before I left was to lead coverage of the final space shuttle mission, space mm-hmm. shuttle Atlantis. Yeah. Um, and that was a great collaboration with NPR. You know, we planned it together. They brought people down here, but all of my staff was involved. Um, it was real team effort. I was I was really pleased with how it turned out. And so, you know, I, I think that was part of the reason that they came down here and wanted to kind of follow up on how things were going. Um and 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 it was just it was it was just such a proud moment sitting there and, and listening to them and yeah I missed it absolutely I absolutely did and it's it's kind of surreal being back here but it's it's incredible it's an honor it really is it's an honor to be able to be back here in this role with with these people who support who really believe in what we do and you know another part of what I do that I didn't get to do before as a journalist because again of the ethical concerns. Mm-hmm is go out and talk to donors and go out and talk to sponsors. Um, mm. I did that just yesterday, and it's it's so inspirational talking to them, too, because these are people who are investors. They have invested significant portions of their treasure in our mission. 
Um, they're true believers. They really, really support and love what we do and think it's important for the community, important enough that they put their money behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really inspirational to talk to them. I mean, I think as a journalist, you you sort of get in this in this little hole where you think that, you know, the money side is kind of icky, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, and you don't want to touch it. And certainly the firewall is there for a very, very good reason, as, as you and I both know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been really, really interesting and and just fantastic to get to make connections with some of these folks who have been supporting the station. I met with someone yesterday who had been supporting the station for 40 years. Wow. You know, and I mean, it's just the the dedication of people in this community to this organization. I mean, it is I stand on the shoulders of giants. You know, mm. I mean, it is it, it you know, our our sponsors, our supporters, our members and the people who've gone before me in this role. I mean, it is it's a legacy that I am humbled to be carrying on. It's really and it's exciting. It's it's an exciting time for the organization. I mean, we have the opportunity to really to really think about everything that we do and, and how how we can do it better. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. Thank you for listening to the Community Podcast. Did you like what you heard? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and tell your friends and family to do the same. Stay up to date on the latest news from the Community Paper by visiting yourcommunitypaper.com and follow them on social media. The show is produced by Nick Jorgudio. Learn more about starting your own podcast by visiting orlandopodcasting.com. Because yeah, because is, I spoke with her that, for like an hour. Oh, yeah. So, it was a long interview. Yeah. So, so this there, is a lot of stuff. Couldn't get everything in print. Yeah. Could we just talk at the same time? The yeah, entire, I'm sorry. We, yeah, were, we should just keep doing that. We weren't doing the, we weren't going off each other perfectly. <laughs> uh, Unlike this do you want to redo that? Uh, <laughs> here we go.